Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, beautiful people. Hello, beautiful people. And welcome to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. This is Leah Murphy, and I am so excited to be back with you. It's been a little while since we had an opportunity to record on this platform, straight podcast style. Been doing a lot of dope stuff over on LinkedIn Live, so you can always check me out there. But now we're back in podcast mode. And I mean, I'm just telling you guys, you guys are about to be blown away. So if you are driving, if you are walking, just be prepared to re-listen to this episode because I'm telling you the gems that are going to get dropped in this episode are about to be epic, amazing. So I'm not hyping it up. It'll be well worth the wait. I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping just to make sure that folks know where to find us outside of this platform. And then I'm going to introduce my co-host who is guest starring with me today on this podcast episode. And then we have a guest. So um, I mentioned that we're doing LinkedIn Live. We're also starting an email list on Career Gems for the Journey to make sure that you get the opportunity to get exclusive career content directly to your inbox that's not available on any other platform. So we want to make sure that you guys know that that exists. Because the podcast is where it was all born, it was where it all began, we want to make sure that folks who are on the podcast also get an opportunity to be a part of the email list. So we will drop the link to that in the show notes. So take full advantage of that. And then I just wanted to do a little bit of milestone celebration. As of this recording, we had the opportunity to be an Amazon bestseller for a total of four weeks now. So it's been pretty wild just to think through the book, Salary Power Moves, Winning the Compensation Negotiation, where we began a year and a half ago. And now we are an Amazon bestseller for four weeks. And like, who would have thought, right? Who would have thought? So excited for that. Grab your copy of Salary Power Moves, Winning the Compensation Negotiation, because it is available on Amazon. And there are new exciting promotions that may be coming. So you want to make sure you have your copy now. And now I need to introduce my co-host, Miss Diana Hausling. So Ama is still on maternity leave and she is vibing, doing the things with a beautiful little human that I can't get enough snuggles from. But in her absence, we have the talented vice president of everything, Miss Diana Housling, who's joining us. Check in with us, Diana. Thank you so much for having me back. I love keeping Alma's seat warm while she gets all that baby love and baby smells in, but we miss her, miss her. Can't wait for her to come back. But I'm so excited for today. I'm giddy. I'm like literally giddy. 
<laughs> I can see it. So for those of you who are listening to us, we're also, uh, we record live on video. So I can actually see Diana's giddiness and like shoulders up to the elbows with excitement. I mean, shoulders up to the earlobes with excitement as we introduce our guests. Cause we have the talented Mark Anthony Edmondson joining us today. Welcome to the episode, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we've been waiting for this for a long time. Mark is a unicorn, right? To use Diana's words. I'll let her do the intro because I can already see her holding back. Go ahead, Diana, let it happen. So Mark is one of my favorite people on the planet, um, not only as a friend, but also as a professional and just the, the, the epitome of a Southern gentleman. But he's also a unicorn. He is Black, gay, and a CMO and killing it in the game and has been for years. Um, so. What I'm excited about is his ability to do that and be all of those things, but bring his superpower, which is his authenticity, his uniqueness, his very interesting background, which most people are surprised about. You can't see him, but he is always dressed to the T. Um, so when he talks about his upbringing, it's probably a little bit surprising to folks, but he brings all of that perspective and that's what allows him to be the superhuman that he is when it comes to being a CMO and leading teams and inspiring people and building brands. And I could just go on and on and on and on. Well, thank you. I need this hype all the time. Maybe I just need to take this recording, put it in my bathroom every morning. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> Put it in your bathroom with your affirmations, right? Affirmations. And, and also take Diana with you to do your intro as Absolutely. your publicist. Yes. Absolutely. That was such a kind introduction, Diana. Well, so Mark. facts on facts on facts. That's all I got. Right. Accurate. Right. And we've gotten to uh, observe so much of it firsthand. So feeling excited about what you're going to share with our folks today. So just give us a little bit about your background, maybe your college experience and kind of what got you to today? What's the last 20 years or so look like for you? Awesome. Yeah. Again, thrilled to share my story with your audience. But my background is from, I'm originally from Louisiana, a very small town, actually a village at Florine, Louisiana, population of around 600 people at that time. I grew up um, in a predominantly Caucasian neighborhood. Um, the only Black people around were family. Uh, I was one of two African-Americans that graduated from my high school. I felt the need to understand my culture better. So I decided to go and attend an HBCU, a Grambling State University. Um, but before I get into that, you know, I also grew up on a farm um, with parents who did not have a college education uh, that had a farm and a farm to table restaurant as a family. Uh, without an education, they were able to thrive in that community of predominantly Caucasian individuals who, you know, one, we were just getting out of, getting into, getting out of uh, segregation in the South in the 1970s. Believe it or not, it was just the 1970s. Uh, my mother and father finally were able to attend uh, schools with other races. Um, and they were able to overcome all of those challenges. So I'm very proud um, of them and their accomplishments that they were able to make. In addition to that, the values that they then instilled in me. Um, growing up on a farm, I had to be taught discipline, um, prioritization, a lot of great values that I carry on today. So uh, going to an HBCU, 
then allowed me to really develop and understand my culture. Um, because of course I was getting some of it from my family, but I wasn't really getting the black experience. Um, so attending Grambling State University was just a remarkable, a remarkable experience. And there I you know, finished up my degree in computer science and mathematics. Um, I was thinking I should be a programmer. I worked at IBM and Microsoft, did a lot of hacking for IBM. And luckily, luckily, after knowing that I did not want to do any of those things, I ended up joining Procter & Gamble. Um, and at that time, Procter & Gamble uh, had a department um, called Interactive Marketing. Um, it's basically digital marketing nowadays. I was responsible for looking into their databases and developing insights and working on CRM programs. And I just fell in love with marketing. And luckily, I had a lot of great mentors within Procter & Gamble um, that really helped me think through my future and my career. And I transitioned into marketing, where then I worked on some really popular brands like Febreze and Gillette, Old Spice. And I was able to do some customer work at Dollar General. And that's, you know, that propelled my career into being at the Campbell Soup Company with both of you, working at Goldfish on the Goldfish Crackers business thriving there, getting my footprint into e-commerce uh, and sales. And then later my career went to Hinkle and I was able to do uh, being the vice president of some of their brands um, there. And now I'm at GoGo Squeeze where I'm helping, I, I, I'm basically you know, here really trying to help grow individuals as the CMO, uh, helping those individuals become great marketers of the future. But while doing that, the Best part also is to build a, a growing brand, GoGo Squeeze. So that was the, the uh, just a very consolidated, quick <laughs> view of my twenty years. Right, but you you touched on so many things. First of all, we're big HBCU fans here. Although, although <laughs> my family, my household is a FAMU household. We are very much supporters of all HBCUs. Yeah. So um, it's really inspiring to hear the experience that you had there and how it helped you to align, align to culture. And now there are a lot of people who are coming to that late, right? And really recognizing the value of HBCUs and the talent mm -hmm. that are in those institutions. So I really wonder first, uh, as you think about your experience there and then transitioning into PNG, what were the things that you were able to um, really encapsulate from your Grambling experience that felt like, okay, I am prepared to be in this new environment where P&G is a massive institution, right? So you come from this small institution that's very supportive and very acknowledging. And now you're in this large institution that's probably a little bit more competitive, right? Different set of challenges. How was that transition for you? It was easy, but it was easy only because at Procter & Gamble, we had Grambling alumni. And they held my hand throughout that entire process. It was just, I mean, again, small town, country boy going to a city of Cincinnati, not knowing anyone, going to this massive organization. They basically taught me everything that I need to know about Procter & Gamble. They taught me the ropes. They taught me what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And it was a group of Black individuals that I leaned on anytime I had issues or concerns. So when you talk about it takes a village, <laughs> they were the village for me. And they really helped me pro propel and grow within Procter & Gamble. 
let's talk a little bit about those conversations because I think, you know, I had a conversation with my mentee today. I had a crap day yesterday. Um, you know, just a little, little tears involved. But what I found in my conversation with my mentee was that level of vulnerability and her ability to have a place where, you know, we could have a real, real conversation, like real, real, like not just the after photo, but, you know, really the guidance and the direction that was needed. I'd love for you to share what that experience looked like, because I know for a fact that you did that when we worked together for me and for so many others. And I know the three of us as a community did that connectively shepherding, you know, a lot of people along. So let's talk a little bit about those, you know, really real conversations. Absolutely. And I, you know, the first thing in a relationship, you have to define what that relationship is. And I learned that very, very early in my career. Uh, some people you might think is a mentor, but they may not be a mentor. It may just be a listening ear. Um, some people you might think is a coach. Um, it's just, again, a listening ear. You have to go in and define what that relationship is. And that was feedback that I received from my very first boss. He was like, you got to define who are you going to for what type of advice and what is their role? So, you know, for me, I knew exactly who I could go to when I had, similar to you, a rough day. And I just wanted to vent. I didn't need to have advice. I didn't want to hear you know, coaching. I didn't want you to mentor me. I just wanted to get it out <laughs> because it was just bottled in, right? And when it's bottled in and it just keeps bottling and bubbling, you just, you need to, you need an outlet. Um, so I had someone who listened. And then I also had people who, like, for instance, I had a really rough boss in my, one of my earliest career, earlier parts of my career, where literally they were like, you're not going to go far. And I was really young at the time. And I was like, wait, what? And it was just about one month reporting to this individual. And they were like, oh, your, your career is not going to take off here. Uh, we'll look and, at you now. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it was good, you know, because I was able to take that to a mentor and say, okay, wow, like, what am I doing? What should I do? How should I respond? And that individual was able to give me the coaching that I need to be able to go go back and defend because then I had to defend and show that, oh, actually I am great and I will be great in the future. Um, so defining roles of people who are going to be in your life, I think is so critical. Like Diana, you and I can, I, I, I can depend on you for that listening ear, coaching and mentorship. That's the three areas that I, I you, that role that you play for me. So I, you know, the, and Leah, you give me great coaching on, all right, salary negotiation, let's talk about it, right? So, you know, you always have to define relationships. And I know that that sounds harsh because some people will get put in a bucket, but it's important for you to be able to navigate your professional world. I think your point is well made, Mark, from this, <clears throat> excuse me, from this, as you think about how do you ascend, right? How do you blossom in your career? There are some areas where you have to have a really defined board of directors and people who you can go to, but also you have to be that for some people too, right? In order to see it continue on. So Diana mentioned that from our previous experience working together. When I think about 
building out relationships and connections with people, both of you come to mind, right? When I'm like, yo, my tribe is out here doing exciting things. And like, you know, I, I want to mention your name in rooms that you're not in and vice versa. And I know you guys are mentioning my name. When I think about that kind of dynamic, that really only happens from a place of total trust and confidence. Mm -hmm. So as you think about, you know, now you're CMO of the future of everything, right? And you're um, you're building people and brands at the same time. How do you make sure that you connect with people and build that anchor of trust so that people really support you as a leader and, and see you that way and leverage you um, to take advantage of you being a leader that is as thoughtful and as involved as you are? Yeah, absolutely. And I lean on do what you say, mean what you say, because you know, you can make a lot of pro promises uh, to individuals. Um, and the one time that you don't fulfill that promise, trust is broken. So for me, you know, as I continue to go up in my career and mentor and coach individuals, I try my hardest um, to make that impact of trust. Being able to say, okay, if I'm going to say I'm going to do something, oh, I'm going to connect you with this person, or I'm going to um, you know, just have dinner with you. I try to keep those promises because that's the foundation of building strong relationships. And as I coach individuals, I always remind them that that is critical and trust. Um, you have to do what you say you will do. But then in addition to that, you know, I've learned a lot around being able to ensure that I'm not burning bridges along the way. That's super important. Even when I have difficult conversations with people, we don't agree on things or if they just don't like me, I still try to ensure that I'm leaving a positive impression on that person or circling back with them to try to make a positive impression because it's a very small world, very small industry, and you're going to run into those people all the time. Uh, making connections and growing those relationships are super important. I can say I received my job here at GoGo Squeeze because I knew three individuals who worked here and that recommended me. And it was all because of the impact that I made on those individuals when I was working with them five, six years ago. So I try to coach my mentors and my mentees on the power of developing strong relationships earlier in your career. Okay, so I am stuck on the man who told you that you weren't going to be anything. First of all, success is the best form of resent revenge. So, sir, thank you. Look, <laughs> yeah. look at us now. Have yeah, have a seat, please. It also made me think of conversations that you and I had. Now I'm cheating because I just know things about you. Where it was like, you know what? I'm worth more than this. Or like, you know, people actually looking at you and being like, oh, he's in a really good situation. And you're like, no, 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 this isn't good enough for me. I'm going to leave. I'm going to take my ball, yeah. take yeah. my talents and go someplace else. As uh, Lee and I talked about in another episode, let's talk a little bit about that because you've made some decisions and made some moves. And, you know, even I would get a text and be like, where's he? What? You I was, you just took the words right out of my mouth. Like you were like, like, oh, okay. I, I see you. Okay. You are CMO now. Uh, okay. All right, wait, you're the president of all the things. All right. Okay. And you do it in a way you're, it's your personality. You're not a very boastful person, even though you have the receipts and you have all of the, you know, the resume, but you just move so smoothly and know your value along the way. So when that man told you, yeah. you know, you're not going to be anything. You didn't internalize that. 
but you continue to do that all along the way. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, your either inner dialogue or, or how you allow yourself to stay really focused on who you are, what you're good at and where you think and know you should be? I love that question. When I was told that it set fire, like I was just so angry. I was like, I need to prove a point. Uh, I'm here. I'm at Procter & Gamble, just like you. So clearly they knew my value coming into the organization. And now I just have to prove it. And I think that that's, that actually helped me, quite frankly. I, I'm very grateful that that individual told me that. Because what it ended up doing was actually making sure that I had to prove, not to that person, but also to myself, that I belonged. And so often, I think, as African-Americans, we have to go above the criteria of any other person in the room. And that can, that can be tough. It can be extremely tough. Because I felt during my Procter & Gamble days, I, I definitely overworked myself. I didn't work smart because... I felt as though I had to set a whole different bar for myself versus my peers because of my look. And that was tough. And I'm sure at the time Procter & Gamble would say, no, that's not how you were treated. It was how I felt. And then, you know, moving on to, you know, Campbell's um, in, in, in other organizations, I still felt the need to have to prove myself. Even with all the accolades that I've received throughout my career, all the work that is listed on my resume, the success that I've had, I still had to prove my worth. And that was, that was, it, it just keeps, um, it keep happening. It's ne it will never stop. Uh, I hope it would stop at some point, but I don't think that that'll ever stop. And it does create stress. <laughs> it creates fear. But for me, you know, being in the role that I'm in today, I'm hoping that through the people I'm coaching and mentoring, they can have a simpler approach. Because I, I will say that I never told people those, those types of challenges. Um, I never went to my mentor and said, because of my color, I feel like I am having to go above and beyond what my peers are doing. Because I didn't know that that was necessary. I'll bring up one part, one small I've been doing this all my life. In my small town, I, I was valedictorian of my high school class. I had the highest GPA. I had the highest accolades. I was basketball MVP. I played other sports. I was president of all the clubs. I had to have a co-valedictorian. And my co-valedictorian was so, she, like, I was looking for what did she do? And that hurt. And oh, by the way, that wasn't the first time that had happened. My sister, also valedictorian of her class, also had to have a co-valedictorian. So it's genetic. Got it. So, you know, I think that that, you know, that, <laughs> that just, again, it set fire under me. Like, I have to prove that I'm, I'm great. And just because of my color, I should be, I can be better than others. <laughs> it shouldn't just depend on my color. Look at my, look at what I'm accomplishing. So it was that, I think that's followed me throughout my entire life of trying to prove myself to others. And that what you described as that, like, does it ever go away? I think we've had so many episodes where we talk about, you know, I still feel it. That's why yesterday sucked for me, but I do think we now have the language to talk about it and have the conversation 
And the same way you talk about how you're trying to make it, how do I help my mentees not have the same struggle? And then how do we use our power to change things? You know, as you look at the, you know, you talked about all of those ads, you are, had already proved it. You don't need to do anything else already proved it. You know, you already proved that you were awesome, but that that feeling never goes away. But how are you leveraging your power and your privilege to change that dynamic? Yeah, I, I mean, right now, I'm really trying to make sure that I'm over-indexed on African-Americans mentoring coaching. Um, because, yeah, I had my Grambling alumni folks. They were all in IT, by the way. Um, but I never had someone to look up to um, in the marketing field. It wasn't until Hinkle that I actually ever reported in a chain of a CMO that was African-American. So that was just like, that was rewarding. I was like, oh my gosh, it's somebody who I want to be like. And so, you know, now I'm trying to leverage my current position to be able to bring more people in. So for instance, right now I'm trying to partner with some HBCUs to be able to bring in more HBCU talent, coaching that talent on how to be successful individuals coming into big organizations. And then once they're here, you know, helping them grow and develop, telling them the truth, being very direct on feedback, not sugarcoating it, saying, okay, you're not doing this and this is what you need to do to improve the skill. So just really trying to help ensure that they're they're growing in the right way um, and that they have all the skills needed to be successful marketers in the future. And you know what the mark, what it really brings up for me is like companies often find like, you know, we're challenged and we don't know how to figure, you know, solve this specific problem when it comes to bringing in talent in their organization. What you just laid out in, you know, I don't know, 45 seconds was essentially the approach that we want larger institutions to take as you think about how to not only bring talent in to your organization, but also create an environment where they have the opportunity to be successful. How do you ensure their success as opposed to, you know, dropping them into a pool and seeing if they can swim? Yes. How do you ensure they can swim? Where, yes. where are the floaties? Where is the kick pad? Where are the things to make sure that people get what they need, whether it's coaching, mentorship, sponsorship, you know, really thoughtful job assignments, all of those things can be such the game changer in whether a career is success, successful versus a career that's not, not competency um, in my observation, right? It's not, are you capable? Because anytime I see a black or brown person in a room, I'm like, oh, you bust your ass to get here. There's no way you're brilliant. You're capable. Your relationships are flawless. Your resume is off the chain, yeah. right? Like you dress the part, you look the part. I know for a fact, right? Because there's literally no way that those things can happen by happenstance. So I'm always like, okay, so I know you're here. What, what else? Like what, I mean, I, I think I'm just excited to be here in the room with you to sit next to you. So I love that you really just broke down how a leader who is thoughtful, a leader who is intentional, and a leader who is willing to leverage their current um, title and position and access to information and resources to bring people up, because that's what we need. But I think even beyond that, I want to take it a step further, because you mentioned something before about being overworked. And like, you know, realizing that for yourself um, and, you know, I've, I've talked very extensively on the podcast about my own experience um, with burnout and how it changed the trajectory of my career. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now for yourself 
right? As a very influential person that has lots of impact over other people's life, livelihoods, and careers, what are you doing for yourself to sustain in this season um, of your life as, a, as an executive with all of the influence necessary? Yeah, I will say that, you know, with twins and a 15-month-old, it's um, not as what I would like it to be. But, you know, prior to that, um, you know, what I would say is that just taking time for yourself. Um, I think that that's so critical. Uh, I avoid now working on the weekends. Uh, work is work. Um, that's what it's called. It's the nine to five, Monday through Friday, working smarter. Um, so really making sure that you're crystal clear on any request, ask of people, just making sure that you're understanding, why am I delivering this? And is it necessary for me to deliver this now? And oh, by the way, here are all my other priorities. So let's talk about whether or not these priorities should shift. Um, so I've been very, I think I've done a really good job within my career uh, managing prioritization and alignment to with my management. So I always, my team now knows that I'm very big on work plans. Development plans also are critically important. Work plans allow you to identify the key projects that are going to make you successful and build your skills for the year. Development plans, just simple document that helps you understand what do you believe your key opportunities are? What are your strengths? Aligning those to your manage, with your manager to be able to say, how are you going to improve those things within your work plan and your day-to-day -day work? So I, I think that that has really allowed me to not feel overworked, managing my capacity, and then also, quite frankly, managing my teams. Uh, now they also have work plans. And if they're feeling, oh my gosh, Mark, I'm, I'm just overworked. Well, let's talk about your work plan. Let's see what's on it. Let's see what we can move off, what's unnecessary. And we align and we move forward. I got some tea on you that I'm also going to share. If you try to contact Mark after eight o'clock. So you could potentially text him and he will respond to maybe two or three texts. After that, his behind is in bed, okay? <laughs> he He's not messing around with sleep. Yes. I suck at that, but he that, prioritizes sleep. Like no that one. That is correct. 7.30, Will of Fortune. I'm <laughs> relaxing. Um, probably by 7.45, I'm asleep. Um, and you can text call you'll get a response the next day when I wake up at around five. So, you know, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Like it's taking your own time back. Uh, my phone also doesn't go into my bedroom. Uh, it stays in a room off to its own. Someone needs to call me urgently. Hopefully they understand that I'm not 911. Um, so, you know, that's, that's my way of protecting my mind and my body and um, protecting my time. And you, okay. you just, you just, you know, you just slid in there like twins and a 15 month old and like you got three babies under two years old that you are literally building humans, right? You are responsible for human beings. And, um, you know, we share that in common. I have identical twins who will be seven now. So like, I know where you are. And I think the fact that you 
speak to your experience of it doesn't require me to change my home life in order to accommodate my work life. I am designing a home life so that my work life um, can work around that. And I believe that there's some integration that needs to happen and everything ebbs and flows. But I think also just for you to be more human and available to your people because you understand their perspective. You understand what it's like to be someone who doesn't have children and prioritizes work for for that life. And also someone who has a partner, has a family, has children. So I really feel like your uniqueness and your unicorn, right, as we identified in the beginning, really allows you as a leader to show up and be very representative and inclusive of such a wide variety of people. And I think that you don't talk about that enough and how that has incorporated, been incorporated in your success. So just talk a little bit more about the way you see your um, natural progression in your own life, penetrating into the way you make decisions in the workplace and how you lead people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody probably knows that I'm very relaxed. I, I allow things to happen. And uh, Diana mentioned, well, Mark, he, you know, made a move and no one pre knew that he was even making the move. I let things naturally happen. Because if you don't allow things to naturally happen, you're then stressing about what's next. You know, the same thing happens within my personal life. We wanted to have kids. We've been wanting to have kids since we, my, my husband and I met. And crazy enough, we wanted like the following year, we we're like, we got to have kids. We naturally allowed it to happen. And it actually took a significant amount of stress off of us. We just allowed it to come to us. And I, I do that within my business life, I professional life. I never have asked not one time, not one time for a promotion. I decided not to do that because I felt the need to be able to prove that I needed the promotion. And if I didn't get the promotion that I assumed that I should have, without asking, I would leave. This. Wait, let's talk about that. Wait, we're not going to go any further. That's very counter to my inner voice. <laughs> Because I, and you already know this, I, now I'm asking for the promotion. I want the money. I want a desk. I want a stand up desk, <laughs> a comfortable chair. I want all the things. So, yes, please. No, so I think I do. I definitely want to, because I think, Mark, what you're explaining is probably um, folks are trying to figure out do I stay or do I go? Yes. Do I, do I fight for it? Do I defend? Do I ask? Do I prove? Or do I just bounce and take my talents elsewhere and make that make sense? So your career and the progression that you've made, you've made some really tactical moves, some strategic vision. And like, how do you decide for yourself, do I stay and pursue mm. or do I go? And how has that influenced your career? Yeah, uh, I, I built out a career roadmap. I have a mentor who I discuss this career roadmap on a frequency. So when I get to that point of, okay, what's next? They're not promoting me. What do I need? What skills do I need? Um, and if they're not able to provide me with the skills and the role that I'm currently in, I start looking. Because at the end of the day, it's not, it's not anything about the company. It's about how am I growing my brand um, because I'm going to always be able to grow their brands um, with my skills. So all of my moves have been based on what skills do I need to obtain in order to get to the next level. So I, 
I knew that I needed some more e-commerce experience. Um, I knew that I wanted to uh, have organizational skills. So I, I would make moves based on, yeah, this is what I need to check a box. Actually, I wouldn't say check a box. This is the skill that I'll need to be a well-rounded professional in marketing. Well, you also taught the organizations how to treat you. You do not treat me right. Then you get the pleasure of my absence. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, it, so often when organizations treat you poorly and you stay, you'll continue to get treated poorly. I always tell people don't, when, when you don't get the raise that you were expecting, don't threaten to quit with, with another job and don't quit. By you saying coming back and succumbing to their offer, their counter offer, because they'll always counter offer, they now have the upper hand. So for me, I've never decided to leave an organization with an offer and said, oh, I'm waiting for you to give me a counter. No, I'm good. Because I looked outside because I wasn't good. And I needed different skill sets to actually build my skill sets to become the marketer that I am today. I just want to talk a little bit about because there is this after like you've arrived and I know you and I know there's always something next and it's like what are you what are you focused on now and how are you working on yourself I know you and I have this little patch that we're trying to work on but I would just love for folks to know because it, depending on the stage you're in you always look up at that person and you're like oh they're there um but you're there for a lot of people but for yourself what is that next thing that is you know, that you're working on that will make you feel more round, well-rounded? Yeah. You know, I'm at the level that I've always wanted to be. I, I want to become a transformational chief marketing officer. But now that I'm here, to your point, I'm like, like, wow, what is next? And as I continue to see the industry evolve in marketing, where sales and marketing is colliding to become one, now I'm looking at CGOs and saying, wow, okay, look at what they're doing. I actually am now, right now, honestly, looking up to our CEO of Bell. Uh, she is just an incredible leader. She's 48 years old. Um, she's held an amazing career in marketing, and she's just crushing it. So right now I'm looking up to her and saying, wow, I could be like her. And I'm looking at her skills. I'm looking at how she's managing organizations and um, communicating to people and her, her organization at whole, how she presents herself, how she presents herself externally. It's like, wow, uh, I could be that. So <laughs> I thought this was it. I thought, oh, I'll just skip around to other companies as a CMO, just only talking marketing. But now I actually want more. I, I actually do want to become a CEO at some point in my career. That's awesome. Love that. I'll come work for you. <laughs> or I'll work for you. Same. <laughs> As the owner of the company, <laughs> you'll, okay. I'll be your CEO. <laughs> hey, look, you said that, you know, you do, you're the, I'm your venting partner, your coach, your mentor. You're the same for me. Um, so I will happily go work for you any day. Yeah. I, I hope the venture, the venture funds are listening. Um, and paying attention because you gotta, you gotta That's fire for one package. Actually, three for one package here. Yes, <laughs> facts, big facts. So I want to close with this because I always love to give people an opportunity to talk to their younger self. When you think about where you are now and someone else who is young, 
um, the version of yourself that you know is in college right now, trying to figure out what they want to do next. And you mentioned career plans earlier, which is like my favorite thing to talk about, because I think giving people an opportunity to set your vision, make it clear, um, allow for some adjustments, allow for some edits to happen, because life will definitely have an impact. And getting an opportunity to follow your path or follow leaders that you respect in your career. And it seems like you've done a little bit of all of that. So if you were giving advice to someone who is new to career and aspires to be where you are today, aspires to be a CMO, what advice would you give them to start preparing for their career now? Yeah, the biggest advice that I would give an individual is don't be so hard on yourself. Um, throughout your entire life. I mean, I I look back and I was aggressively hard on myself. Um, I was hard on myself because one, I had to come out to my parents. Um, that was pretty tough. I was I beat myself up on how late I was in doing that. And I think if I would have come forth with my truth self earlier in my career, who knows where I will be today. I'm very happy where I am today, but who knows? Uh, I beat my, myself up over things that I tried and I failed um, versus learning from those failures. Don't do that. Just learn. Um, I beat myself up for not asking, Diana. Sometimes I should have asked for the promotion. I should have asked for an uh, increase in salary. And, you know, I didn't. But stop beating myself up. Like, just learn from those experiences which will always make you greater. So we love to say here that you don't lose, you learn, right? Yes. So we, we take calculated risk and those calculated risks sometimes win big and sometimes they don't win as big, but we don't lose, we learn. So I think you really just encapsulated that um, for our listeners. So look at you, you're always with the marketing. See, subconsciously <laughs> you knew you had this stuff in the back and brought it full circle. Um, so I love it. and. This has been a great opportunity. I absolutely enjoy the energy that both of you bring to these kinds of dialogues. And I'm really excited for us to be able to bring all of that superpower into this podcast episode. Um, and what I really wanna share before we close is when I think about experiences in my own life and career and progressively over time, all of the people that I felt like were amazing, that were thoughtful, that were impactful, that were powerhouses, 10, 15, five, whatever the number is years ago, all those things remain true today. And like being able to use this platform now as an opportunity to elevate those voices and give you all an opportunity to speak to the audience that follows Career Gems for the Journey is literally God smiling upon my everyday life that I get to do what I love with people that I respect um, and that the rest of the world gets an opportunity to get to know you through this platform is, you know, making my day. So thank you guys. I appreciate both of you for being here today. It's been super dope and amazing. Thank you. So Mark, any last words for the people? Anything else you want to share? No, this has just been an incredible experience. I really love, love, love your podcast. Um, so looking forward to having people enjoy this dialogue that we've had. Housling, any closing words for the people? What he said. I mean, this is, <laughs> I mean, I just loved it. I love you both. And I just excited to have this melanin close to my day and this bright start to my new week. Melanin close. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> like, she just be out here coining <laughs> phrases. 
Um, life is a group project, Melanie close to the day, just all of the things, all the things. So we appreciate you riding with us today on the Career Gems for the Journey podcast. You can find great content like this um, on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you find your podcast and check us out on LinkedIn. And I mentioned at the top of the episode, you'll have an opportunity to join our email list. We want to make sure that you get that done. So as soon as you close out this episode and send it to a friend, because we want to make sure that you share. And if you're feeling so inspired to leave us a five-star review, because reviews are how more people learn more about the podcast and we get the word out to more people. And that is good for all of us. So with that, we will let you all go and we will see you on the next episode. It's been amazing. Talk to you soon. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.